0: The preseason is in the books and the Giants get to work on finalizing their 53-man initial roster. What might they do? Who stood out? David Turner, former NFL scout and president of Maverick Sports Consulting, joins us on today's Locked on Giants podcast to discuss coming up next.
1: You are Locked on Giants. Your daily
0: New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I am Patricia Traina. And uh, today's show, we had David Turner, president of Maverick Sports Consulting, former NFL scout, worked a little bit with the Giants, the 49ers, a bunch of teams, the Raiders, um, also worked in personnel uh, for other leagues. You know, he's been with me for basically all year, whenever we've had personnel decisions to talk about. He's been with me all preseason, breaking down the Giants' performance, the individual performances. And we've got a lot to talk about in. Regards to preseason game number three, David. First, let me welcome you to the program. I always appreciate uh, having you on, and I hope you continue to feel better from your procedure.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, day by day we're getting better, little by little. Uh, they said it's going to be four to six weeks, and this Wednesday will be three weeks, so still got half the road to go. But you know, getting there, and I'm just I'm excited. I'm, as you heard before we got on, I'm I'm all fired up about Giants football and. game and the roster cuts i mean for personnel guys like me this is like almost like the second draft day right i mean because you get the the young talent that gets drafted and you get all excited about that but now you're taking players jobs that's what that's what we're doing we're sitting we're taking men's jobs but we're putting a roster together and presenting it to the team and then looking at who hit the street and we're taking that and saying okay is there somebody better that hit the street that we should collect and make our final rosters. And what's very unique about the process this year is that there's no games coming up this week. So we're not in a rush. We can put together, I mean, if I was working for a team, I'm not. But if I was working for a team, you could put together a nice little workout Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something, maybe even two workouts, depending on what number of players that are allowed in the building and all that stuff. But if if you really could bring people in, you could put together some nice workouts this weekend and even later in this week and say, okay, let's try some of these guys out that got cut from each roster and, uh, you know, present them to the coaches and everything. Cause I'm sure they're going to give the players a little time off later in the week. So with no games this weekend. So yeah, it would be again, chess match. I, I would, I would have fun with this, this new setup with this uh, procedure this way.
0: Boy, I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice and I am looking forward to this show. This is going to be a great one. Um, as, as we started to uh, indicate before we started uh recording. So hopefully, <laughs> um, you know, I won't break out of laughter because you had me in stitches before. But anyway, David, let's talk about the Giants against the Patriots. We've got to start with the offensive line. This was a problem for you, I think, all along. You've been very vocal about concerns about, you know, Matt Pert at right tackle. The offensive line last night, other than maybe Nick Gates and Will Hernandez, who I thought were kind of solid, the rest of the offensive line, uh, I I didn't like what I saw. So all, let me get your perspective.
1: It all To me, it all broke down at the left tackle spot. It all broke down there. Thomas struggled. So then the protection started sliding um, his way, which then caused stress points on the right tackle, which caused stress points when they started doing their uh, looping game and different blitzes because they were trying to help out Thomas. A lot of it started when he started short setting and not firing his hands into chest plates. He was what I call forklifting, you know, when they come from the waist and come up, and then he was hitting outside targets, giving up his chest. So a lot of these defensive ends from the, the Patriots now, they just spent, now understand, the Patriots just spent more money in free agency than any in the history of the NFL. Like they, they, they went out and shot for three, four, and five-year vets and gave them all three, four-year contracts. So this is a team that's built not only for this year, but for the next few years, and they're all sub-30. I don't think they have – I think their roster average age is 28.5 or something like that. They're really a sub-30 team, um, which makes them very qualified to disrupt things this year. But this is a giant show. Anyways, but these guys, my point was these guys know how to rush. They know how to get their hands on the chest plate and come inside. Thomas, with his length, really needs to learn to fire his hands inside the chest plate, get it inside the pad level, and use every inch and quarter inch of those arms to express and extend these defensive ends off his body. So, therefore, he's creating even greater distance to the quarterback, even if they are pushing him and stuff. He struggled in his chair yesterday. He wasn't sitting well. He wasn't bending well. So I think the left tackle spot was was maybe he wasn't feeling good, whatever you might want to say. But when the ones were up against the ones, he truly struggled. And then they uh, they compensated for him, which caused cracks along the line. And as we saw, they tried to take Soldier out and I think put Perrin, in. And, you know, then they had to put Sold, uh, Nate Soldier back at right tackle because that experiment should just be dead and gone. I mean, I think Matt will make the team eventually. When we talk rest, roster math, he'll make the team. But, I mean, I think the starting right tackle has to be Nate Soldier. I mean, it just – you have to start them because you have no other options on this roster um, at this point. Um, you know, I, again, Hernandez played pretty solid. Gates played pretty solid. The one that started to come on last week and got my attention a little bit more this week was that Ted Larson, you know, he, he, he played a really solid game. I thought when he got his chance and his opportunity to step in and play um, and the young Jackson Barton, you know, I think it's his third year in the league now Um but he was a player that has shown some upside. I mean, he's starting to fill out his frame. He, I, I scouted him in college, and I know he was a th- more wiry, thinner frame tackle. But he's starting to fill that out a little bit, and he's starting to look interesting. Um, now, again, does he make the team? We'll get into that later, if he's a practice squad player, or whatever. But, I mean, I think there are some pieces here. They're just not solid. And if they have any injury, which is 17-week season – You can't imagine the offensive line is not going to have one or two injuries. They're going to be in some trouble here.
0: Definitely. Let me ask you something, though, about Thomas, because I had this thought yesterday. I don't know if there's anything to it. He has had three now position coaches since coming to the NFL. I mean, this is a kid who a couple years ago coming out of college was considered one of the best, if not the best, left tackles coming out of school. And he hasn't quite lived up to that billing how much has the fact that he's had three different offensive line coaches, and technically you can say, you know, adding in Pat Flaherty this year, you know, Freddie Kitchens getting involved, how much of that do you think is kind of screwed with him? Because it just seems like his technique is all over the place. He mentioned a couple times in his post game presser that he's not. He implied that he's not comfortable with it, that he has to do a better job with his hands and with his bend and all that stuff. So how much do you think that factors into what we have seen from him?
1: You get paid to protect the quarterback's blind side. If you don't feel you're getting the coaching here in our office, then go find it. Get it right. Get it straight. Invest in yourself. LeBron James puts a million dollars into his his body every year with his nutrition, his coaching away from the, uh, the Lakers and everywhere he goes. He pays himself out a million dollars a year. OK, now that's a lot of money. And I'm not telling any player ever to pay that kind of money unless they have it. But you have to invest in yourself. If all you're looking for is to show up to the office, do the minimal work that has been asked of you, and then go home, play your video games the rest of the day, and don't do your own work. Well, that's telling me a lot about the type of individual you are because I work 30, 40 hours by Thursday, okay? And then I work on the weekends and I watch plays and all this stuff. So for me, when I'm looking at players, I'm looking for the same work ethic. I'm looking for people that are gonna go home, do the extra stuff, when I was around the Giants, Strahan, Tiki Barber, Amani Toomer, Shockey, um, Eli, they were always the last ones out of the building. They were the first ones in and the last ones out. You know, same thing when I was at the Miami Dolphins. I saw JT and, um, you know, Sam Madison and Pat Sertan and, you know, um, who's our little, uh, uh, Zach Thomas, our little linebacker. They were always first in and last to leave. You know, that's what a veteran is. By year three, you gotta be a veteran. And that means you got to start taking control of your own career and saying, I need to get better at hands. I need to go find a hands coach. You know, I need to get better at you know flexibility. Then when I leave here, I'm gonna go find a yoga coach to yoga and, and a massage therapist to open up my post interior track and and get my psoas muscles, you know, all all you know stronger, my core stronger. I'm gonna go spend two hours. I remember when I was around Jerry Rice. He would come. He'd wake up, go do workouts with Roger Craig and some of his friends over at Menlo College in California, small little college, 5.30 a.m. They didn't have to be in the office till 7. They would be there by 6.45 after doing an hour of workouts, all the lifting, everything required at the Raiders. And then afterwards, he'd go run his mountain, and then he'd go play 18 rounds of golf because that's what he wanted to do. Or 18 holes of golf, and that's what he wanted to do. So when you look at it, it's like these guys know how to, you know, they train their bodies, they do their bodies right. But you also have to look at them like, man, you can't just expect to show up and have the coaching here and be a professional, be an all-pro, be a gold jacket. You know, the gold jackets are the rare work ethics mixed with the rare talent. So if everybody's identified these rare talent, where's the work ethic?
0: Well, I mean, in fairness to Andrew Thomas, I think he did train with somebody in the offseason. Now, I don't know what he's doing now, if he's just working with the Giants coaching and that's it. But, you know, I don't want to slam the kid because I don't know. I mean, I I want to be fair to him. But, you know, suffice it to say, when you see these peaks and valleys and towards the end of last year, I thought he started to come on. And then, you know... not, not seeing that progress in this game. Now, I don't know, maybe we're just overreacting because it's a preseason game, maybe because he hasn't been out there as much as, as uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen him out there. Quite frankly, if it were me, I would have had those starters out there a heck of a lot more than what judge did. But um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just what, why wouldn't you be, you've been taking like, Literally hundreds, if not thousands, of reps doing stuff. You know why it wouldn't sink in after a while? I I just don't get it. But you know maybe there's something more to it that I don't understand. I don't know. But
1: I mean he's been playing left tackle for since he was in high school. So it hasn't the kick steps, the the hand motions, all that hasn't changed much. Each coach might want it different a little bit. Okay, they might want it a little bit different. I get that, but at the end of the day, son, and I'm not trying to bash him, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying for all the young athletes that are out there, you have to be responsible for your own career. You can't leave it in someone else's hands. If you feel in like in this post-press conference, my hands aren't right, this and that, then fix it. You have the ability, the time each day to take coaching and fix it. And that's my point to the young people that are listening. It's like, you can find other coaches, you can go to Taekwondo, you can go to Judo, whatever, and and figure out, you know, better ways to balance and control and recover. There's lots of things to do, and they can all be taught non-conduct for the most part. Right. Get better at something.
0: Right. We will come back to the offensive line when we get to your roster predictions, but I want to move on now to Daniel Jones. Now, Jones, I thought for the most part, had a good showing. A couple of boneheaded decisions, I thought, you know, that the – what happened with Evan Ingram, I, I don't know now. Even there, I'm not sure if that's on Jones or if that's on Ingram. It looked like Ingram was supposed to sit in, on that route, and he was drifting, and maybe that's that's what – I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know who to assign blame to anytime for that. how you
1: involve that tight end, it's his fault, just so you know. Any time <laughs> you involve – and you were warned before we went on the air. Any time you involve that tight end in a conversation, I'm never taking his side because that guy – will back down for hits, back down for blocks, back down for anything. He is a basketball mentality playing tight end in the NFL, and he does not want contact. This isn't a Dennis Rodman or a Patrick Ewan or a good old boy Bill Lumbier type player now. This is a finesse player who thinks he shouldn't be hit. It should be flag football all the time for him out there. And so that was definitely him. Daniel was expecting to come back harder for the ball. He floated on him that ball got in the wrong position and made the quarterback look like an ass. You know, but when you watch the route, when you watch the route, you could tell that guy did not come back for the ball as hard as he should have.
0: Okay, well that answers that question because I was going to say, you know, the fact that that happened in the in the, down there in the end zone it was like, I, you know. Uh but, you know, getting back to Daniel though. For the most part good decisions. I mean, there were I think there was just one where he I think he took a set. Was it the one where he should have taken a sack and he didn't? Um, I'm just trying to remember. I think I counted maybe two or three things that I didn't like in the game, but otherwise, you know, good ball security. You know, I don't, he threw a beautiful dart to Darius Slayton who dropped it. I don't know what's going on with Darius Slayton. He just has not captured the rookie, you know, that rookie season that he had. But overall, Uh, Oh, there were a couple of times when I thought Daniel Jones was a little slow with the decision making, the mental processing. So let me get your take on that, because that is one of his big vices, if you will, is the decision making when he has to make his second and third read and, and whatnot. So what did you see from Daniel Jones?
1: You know, I thought he made good decisions most of the day. I really did. I mean, a quarterback's taking 70 snaps. He's handing off in a game, not yesterday, but 70 snaps usually and handing off the ball, you know, 22 times or so and the other, you know, 48 times or whatever are screen passes and the ball's coming out of his hand, right? So for yesterday, I think he threw 17 passes, maybe 12, 17, something in that range. And I thought most of them were good decisions. I, you know, Slayton dropping the ball, it seemed like he backed away. He heard some footsteps, But Slayton's a more vertical stretch style guy too. The coming back, squaring up, putting the chest to the to the line of scrimmage isn't really what Slayton likes to do. He, you know, he's more of a crossing route vertical stretch guy that likes to catch over the shoulder, make uh, you know, back shoulder catches, things like that. So Jason Garrett's gotta also know his players and know what he's asking his players to do and play to their strengths, which was something Al Davis always taught me. It was like, if a player can't do something, don't ask him to do it. Let somebody else go find somebody else that can do that. You know, like, you know, you don't want to kill somebody who's like an eight out of 10. Because they can't do the final two things, like let them do the eight things they do well, and and let's call it a day, right? So I thought Daniel had a pretty good uh, showing. The obviously the interception in the end zone made Daniel look bad, but when we play it, I really feel it was Ingram's fault um, that he didn't make a player harder harder play for the ball. And uh, you know, for me, I thought Daniel did fairly well. I liked him last game. I liked him this game. You know, I think Daniel still needs to progress quicker. But it's hard to put too much on him. And I'm not trying to make a I'm not trying to protect him here, but I know how complicated the quarterback spot is. When your offensive line isn't set and sound and it's not the, the same five guys every year, and you can't trust and know that, hey, this guy looks like he's getting close, but I can trust, you know, him to pick him up. I'm good, like that trust in the offensive line and then having Barkley out there to run the ball and be the factor to take some heat off him because when you hand him the ball or you throw him a screen, it just takes so much heat off the, off the quarterback. So, you know, for Daniel, he does need to progress faster, but I see if this team gels in the first four to five weeks, fans have to understand it's got to give them four to five weeks. It's still a 17-week season. They can go 0-4 and, and still win their division, okay? So be patient with them, but let them harmonize and sync together. And if they if they get it, you'll see it around week four. And Daniel should be progressing around week three, week four, with these new receivers. You know, you got to understand, I mean, shoot, you know, there, there's, what, two or three new receivers. He's going to maybe have Barkley, hopefully, fingers crossed, right? Barkley, new tight end in uh, Rudolph. So you got to give them a few. And then, like you said, Judge didn't play them all out there in preseason. They haven't taken a lot of reps. So the first three or four weeks is their preseason. Now they get to week five and they're not gelling. We got issues. <laughs>
0: yeah, big time. Definitely. David, let's touch briefly on the defense. I thought the defense looked solid for the most part. Um you know, Patrick Graham never ceases to amaze me. I mean, he wasn't game planning, but he still was doing some some certain things that he did last year, playing guys in certain roles, like we saw Logan Ryan in that robber role that he does so well. Um, that defensive unit, I, I have a feeling is going to carry this team for that first four or five weeks that you just mentioned.
1: Typically, when you have new offenses and the defenses this time of year are the ones that are further ahead, and you got offenses like, you know, Kansas City and Tampa Bay that brought everybody back so they got their comfortability there. They're going to be ahead of the game. But most of the time, this this time of year, the first two, three, four weeks in a season, the defensers usually out front and they're doing better. The one thing I didn't like yesterday was the run fits. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the run fits. Uh, I think we talked about it last week a little bit. Um, again, this week, the safeties weren't taking proper run fits down into the box. But again, we didn't see the starting safeties, you know, I I don't believe Peppers played and, um, you know, Logan played in his robber role. So some of the coverages were off versus what he'll play them when he has both those guys on the field and he's got Peppers back there, quarterback and everything, right? Um, So for me, I didn't like the run fits and I thought the linebackers and the edge guys weren't really setting those edges strongly, letting them run outside. Now, pass defense wise, I thought it was a much better game for them, especially in the first half. I thought they communicated well. I thought there were people in good positions. Pass rush was getting getting home and putting pressure on them, making the quarterback get off their spot and move their feet. So that kind of stuff I enjoyed. I, I liked it. I saw what I you know I liked what I was seeing there. And again, he didn't run his you know exotic looks right? He, he kept it kind of plain, but for what he did, it was, it was fun to watch that defense. And I think when he really takes the the chains off these guys and lets them go hunting, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. I really do. I think the first four weeks are going to be fun for these, this defense, as long as the run fits from the safeties and the outside edge guys set that run and really pride themselves on nobody's running on this defense. It could be really fun to watch the giants because the first part of their schedule I feel the teams that are coming at them are going to want to run the ball first and r- work off play action. Now, if we, you know, if they come up and stop the run on first down and get make it a, a second and ten and thirds and give them thirds and elevens, it's going to be a, a good thing for this Giants defense.
0: Hey, Giant fans, we have much more coming up here on the Locked On Giants podcast. But first, get all the latest news, odds, info, and sign up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over to bed Online on your laptop. Or mobile device when you open an account and use our special promo code locked on, you will receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's code locked on for your fifty percent welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David, we are going to get to I think the part you have been looking forward to. I know you have a list. Of uh, roster moves that you would make. Now, roster decisions, folks, have to be filed by 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. We'll start to hear probably some roster moves as early as Tuesday morning, maybe a few even Monday night for all we know. But um, a lot of decisions to be made. David put together a list that he has of guys he would put on the practice squad, guys that he would just flat out get rid of. And um, He's, he he could wait to do this. Before we started recording, he showed me that list, and I, he's like, "Okay, uh, this this is what I'm looking forward to." All right, David, let's start with the let's let's save the offense for last because we'll finish on a strong note. I'm sure there's a lot there to talk about. Let's start with the defense. Tell us about some of the the tough decisions that you think this team is potentially facing, and how you would approach them at the various positions.
1: Like I told you again, draft or draft math is one thing we talked about when the draft came around is how you do your math and figure it out. Well, this is roster math. When you're doing your roster math, historically, you're going to keep like 24 on offense, 26 on defense, and then your three specialists. That's historically what you kind of do with your numbers this way, because the reason why you give the extra player to defense historically is special teams. You keep an extra safety or linebacker so your special teams coach can have a a key special teamer that, you know, will be on all core four teams and more and kind of be the captain of that special teams. And they typically are linebackers and safeties that make that role for the Giants. What I did this uh, this breakdown and again, my math might be off, as I told Patricia before the show, I think I got, and I went into contracts and I looked at what people can make and where they can go on to practice squad with these new rules and things. But this is really what people like me have a passion for is building teams, finding the strengths and the weaknesses and pairing everybody together. So the coaches have the best team to go out there and compete starting week one. And then as you have to massage the roster all year, you massage the roster all year. I'm going to start in the defensive backfield, defensive backfield, you know obviously there's James Bradbury Peppers Logan Ryan and Jackson right that's probably your, your starting four and then you know next would be Josh Jackson Jul- uh, Mr. Love there McKinney and Holmes and then CJ Chris Johnson are the are the ones that I have in the backfield now there I I only kept I was supposed to keep 10 in my draft in my uh, my roster math five corners and five safeties but I I kept nine And then I put Williams and um, Beale, Harper, and Robinson all on practice squad. So therefore, I kept five on the active, or I kept nine on the active roster instead of 10 and put four on the practice roster in order to keep that a very healthy unit, almost all intact. The only one I think I cut from that area is uh, Keon Crossan.
0: Wow. You cut the guy that they traded a draft pick for?
1: I know. I didn't really, I wasn't really impressed with him this preseason. So yeah. again, Dave might make a different call on that one. But for me, I, I like, you know, again, it was between him and Robinson. And you and I talked about that a little bit. And I think the investment in Robinson's a point where I think they still want to keep him around at this point. I could be wrong, but for me, I just didn't see enough out of crossing to say he earned a, any kind of roster spot right now
0: interesting. See, Robinson, I think, is going to get rolled over to Pup because he's on Pup right now. So by rule, if he doesn't pass his training camp physical, he goes to inactive Pup to start the season, and then he's gone for six weeks minimum. Crossan, I thought he would be more of a special teams guy as opposed to a defensive back. The guy I'm not so sure makes it is Jackson because I don't think we've seen much from Jackson at all. And that's, the, remember, that's a guy they didn't, you know, they did a straight up trade, yet him for Jackson. So I, I I, would think, and I could be wrong here, you keep crossing for the special teams value and you maybe put Jackson on the practice squad. I mean, I don't know. That's just and my and again, No,
1: that's good math right there. And again, if they do not want Aaron right away, if they don't need him right away and they keep him on the pub for six, that's part of this math too. That's absolutely a good point. You keep him on the pub, and then, like you said, if Jackson's the guy that goes down and and stays up, that's the move. You know, for me, I was attacking this list as everybody needs a decision. You know, so that's where it was. But that's a good point. That's a very good roster move, you said, because we've used it several times in my career where we've kept a guy on the pub to start the season because that roster group is kind of set, and we don't need to press him into action. And it gives us kind of an extra roster spot. So that is something you can totally do. It's a very smart decision if they do it that way. And then, like you said, the the toss up is, do you keep Jackson up or do you keep crossing up? Which one gives you more value on special teams and which one you can you can you get through waivers? That's the other part of this conversation is with waivers coming up. All these guys that I'm saying are going on practice squad. They don't just get moved. To practice roster. They got to go through waivers. If they get picked up, that forces your hand. So, you know, these are these are the things that over the next 48 hours will be happening.
0: Yeah. And this a quick note about waivers. I believe any guy with four or fewer years experience has to be exposed to waivers. Any vested veteran with four or more years can just go and have his contract terminate. I believe that's how it works. So that's going to factor into the equation. So interesting uh, decisions there at defensive back. I think that's going to be one of the toughest areas for them to whittle down. Now let's start to move inward as we get to that defensive line. I guess linebacker would be next up on your list.
1: Sure, we'll go linebacker. Again, historically, when you're running a 34 like the Giants are running now, you would keep five outside linebackers and four inside linebackers for a total of nine. What I did this year, because of the depth they have in certain positions, I actually flipped that. I put five inside linebackers and four outside linebackers. That's how I, I've cut this out. So Carter, Martinez, Crowder, Zionist, how do you say his oh, name? Oh, Ziminez. Ziminez, thank you, are pretty much locked in to be the, the starting four up front, right? And then I have, um, making the team,
0: I have... If it, uh, I fatty odin it, odin I even You can trip over that.
1: Thank you, Reggie, uh, Raglan, Downs, um, Azia, uh, and then I put Carter Coughlin. Now that's my sneaker is Carter Coughlin because I think on special teams, Carter would be a really valuable fit. People are like, well, what are you gonna do with Trent Harris? Well, I think Trent Harris is the practice squad veteran you're trying to put on practice squad. Now, a lot of people will be like, you can't do that. He's gonna get picked up somewhere else. Possibility. Possibility. Okay. But you also can't pay everybody. So sometimes you have cap casualties that when you're looking at the cap, you're looking at if they make the team, what bonuses and everything make. I think a guy like a Carter Coughlin who will deliver more on special teams for you, versus a Trent Harris. That's going to be the trade-off. That's the one I'm not sure of. And then I have Cam Brown on, on the um, practice squad, and Ryan Anderson is the one I have cut from that from that group. Right.
0: Ryan Anderson's been suspended for the first six weeks. Right. So that's interesting. I have Cam Brown making it for special teams. Um, Ellerson Smith has to make the roster because, again, because of roster rules. And remember, this is an initial 53. They're going to move him to IR. I am convinced of that. Right, he hasn't practiced all year, so I don't think you expose him to waivers by trying to sneak him through to the practice squad. I think you put him on on, on the initial fifty three. Then, for me, this is just how I would have done it, and you can tell yeah. me if you disagree or not. not I would all. then move him down to you know once you have him on the initial fifty three, put him on IR and bring Trent Harris, who I think has had a solid summer, and put him in that place. So. I, that's how I would approach that. I would keep Cam Brown definitely. Devonta Downs, I wouldn't keep. I'm sorry, I, I haven't been impressed by him at all. Um, I would keep Carter Coughlin for sure inside. You've got Blake, Tay Crowder, and Reggie Ragland. Those would be my four. But um, you know, you probably saw something I didn't. You know, you've got the, the better no, trained eye.
1: I've told you, you got an incredible knowledge for this. And like you, the move you did with Ellerson Smith, keeping him on. And then moving them to IR and then bringing in somebody else you like, like Harrison or Harris, it's something we do all the time. And, you know, for me, I totally get it. And I would understand that move happening. So, you know, that's why this is what we do in the room. This is exactly what you and I do, is this is what I would do. This is what I would do. This is what I do. And the GM hears it all, and then he goes in the room and he figures out what he wants to do. Okay. But – no, this is this is all good conversational stuff. You know, I like Downs. I think Downs is a player that I think has upside. Now, I'm not sure Downs on special teams, how much he's going to bring. I think he might be a core two-teamer. I don't think he'll be a core four-teamer. So, you know, I do think, though, if Crowder gets hurt, Downs makes a good replacement in there.
0: Okay. Now, defensive line. This is an interesting one because B.J. Hill, was uh, he wasn't announced as a guy who wasn't going to play, but he didn't play. And for me, I I wondered if he was going to make the roster because I've seen his snaps decrease. And with Raymond Johnson stepping up, David Moa, who I think is undersized, but, you know, has brought more value. I'm wondering if B.J. Hill is going to have a spot on that defensive line. What do you think?
1: I think the numbers worked out in his favor. Okay. Now, historically, you keep five defensive ends and two defensive tackles in the 43 and one of your defensive ends you would hope could slide in and help out at nose if you get injuries there. Um, and I think that's Moa. You know, I think Moa is your tweener type guy that maybe again, he's not the biggest guy. Right. But he's tough. He's scrappy. He's strong as an ox. So, I mean, I think he's your fifth defensive end. You know, I really do. I think Moa is your fifth guy. I think P.J. Hill. Lawson Johnson Williams, uh, ran, ran, Raymond Johnson, Danny Shelton—they all make the team. To me, the odd man out was Willie uh, Henry.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but you see, here's the other thing, David. You have some injuries on that unit too. Shelton—I don't know what he's dealing with, but I know he was he was banged up. And you know that's that's the X factor for me is that they the Giants obviously know how bad these guys are and how far off they are. For us on the outside, we have to kind of guess.
1: Right. So, yeah.
0: you know, one guy, you can you can anticipate one guy is further away than when he actually is, and that suddenly screws up your entire projection. So
1: well, totally. And a guy like BJ Hill, let's just say this. There's two reasons not to play a player on the third preseason game, right? Either you're gonna cut him and you want to make sure he stays healthy. So you don't play him. So we can't say I got hurt in the game and you you owe him money, he's he's healthy, you warmed up. We got film of you warming up. Okay, we're shutting you down because we're cutting you tomorrow. Right. Okay. Or you've made this team, kid, and we're not going to risk you out there because you are battling something little nagging and we don't want to increase it. So you've made the team, we shut you down. You're not going to play in this game. Right. There's two, you don't know which one it is because you're not behind the screen. You're not in the locker room. You don't know the privileged conversations. But that being said, I think if these are your five defensive linemen and they're healthy, you have a very solid, strong offensive lineman, and then you put Qualls on practice squad, right? And mm-hmm. you and you might shop for another. Right. You might shop for another, and again, that's the situation. If Danny is hurt in some way, and they gotta shop for another, that's what you might be seeing today and tomorrow. We already saw some trades over the weekend. And last week we saw a couple of trades happen. I think this today and tomorrow, you will see trades that people are like, you know, I'd rather have that guy than try to go to Yires and compete for him.
0: So
1: mm-hmm. I'll give up a six-round pick for him, or I'll give up a seventh, or I'll swap late round picks to get that guy or something. There's gonna be some finagling of some stuff going on to secure certain roster or certain individuals for your roster right. that people don't want to compete with. Um on the open market, as we call it, uh, on the waiver wire. So I think you'll see some of that. And again, we don't know how extensive Danny is. We don't know if BJ was dealing with an injury or if they wanted him healthy so they could cut him and not worry about the exit physical. We just don't know which way they were going with that, that reasoning.
0: Right, right. Okay. All right. We are going to do offense next. So folks, stick around for that coming right up. Hey, Giant fans. We have more coming up here on today's Lock on Giants podcast. But first, no matter what you need for your car or truck, Rock Auto is sure to have it in its extensive online catalog. Rockauto.com offers brand name parts for every make, model, and manufacturer at highly competitive prices and ships right to your door. Visit rockauto.com and be sure to write Locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Hey, Giant fans, we have plenty more coming up on the Locked on Giants podcast. But first, tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports and highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about DirecTV at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Giant fans, you have Patricia Traynor here on the Laughlin Giants podcast special against David Turner, former NFL scout, president of Maverick Sports Consulting. And right now we are going through a rough outline of David's Giants 53-man roster projections. We did defense in the last segment. Now comes the fun part, the offense. David, I'm going to let you pick where you want to start. And I wonder where it's going to be. No, I'm going to sneak something in really quick. Okay. Get it out of the way,
1: sneak it in. I'm just going to slide it in real quick. Special teams, really quick. Obviously, Dixon, Gano, and Casey Kreider are the three, right? Okay. No discussion there, just the way it's going to be. And then, uh, obviously, you know, you got Ross is the main returner in this thing, and maybe Tony if he stops fumbling the balls. So that's the way we kind of got special teams. Just sneak it in there really quick. Because those guys never get talked about. And, you know, I, I, I've grown to love them. Why are they fuss? They're, it's, honestly, they're like at my dating life. It's frustrating, but I love them. So it's the way it goes. Um, now we'll go into. We're going to start with a fullback running back. We'll lead in nice and gentle here. Okay. So, you know, when you look at the fullback position, historically, you keep one. Um, and then your running back position, you historically would keep, you know, somewhere between three and four, depending on how you want to cut it. Um, I kept three running backs, and two fullbacks because, to me, I think um, Gillespie or Gillespie Gillespie and Penny both give you stuff on special teams, and Penny can actually carry the ball.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think it's better to have them mixed in with Barkley, Booker, and Clement. Clement. Mm -hmm. Clement. Thank you, Clement. And then Brightwell goes to practice roster, and uh, sadly the um, Pulse – Polzcomer,
0: Platzgummer. He go, he gets an exemption. He has an exemption. So he, okay, so yeah. he's a,
1: he's one of those Europeans, right?
0: Yeah, he's from the yeah. International Pathway Program, That's so he has a roster.
1: Yeah. Okay. So he's good. on. He's good. Yes. Therefore, you can keep everybody there at that yes. position.
0: That and I agree with that. you, by the way, about the two fullbacks. That's what I have on my projection.
1: Yeah, I think because special teams wise. And, you know, Penny can touch the ball and do well if if they need a big back to bang in there a little bit if someone else gets dinged up. So I like that idea. I would like to see if Corey Clement can actually return kickoffs a little bit. I think he's got a very good run vision style. Now, he's not the fastest guy in the world. No, what are you doing? But everybody, you know, does this anyways. and They they take touchbacks. But once in a while, you like to have a running back in that role. Like, I know Dave's always like that. It's something we learned from Ernie. You know, it's like if you have a running back returning kickoffs, that mentality is a little bit better And then have a receiver doing the punts. It's a little, little bit more tailored that way. So if Clement is listening, if you could learn to do the kickoffs a little bit, it might extend your career because I think you have a good running style for it, just so you know.
0: Okay. Well, at quarterback, I think that's cut and dried. We don't really need to have that discussion, I don't think. Receiver and offensive line and and tight end. I'll let you take your pick. Where do you want to go? We'll go receiver. (laughs) Okay. He's avoiding tight end for obvious reasons.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Uh, So we'll go receiver. So here, typically you would keep five. On the roster breakdown, the way it looked for me at this point, I was able to work it to where I kept six. So I kept Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Ross, Tony, and Sills. I got rid of Pettis. I don't like Pettis. I don't think Pettis deserves to be on the team. I really don't. I don't think he works hard enough. I don't think he sacrifices his body for the ball well. I think he runs very shoddy routes. So he's a guy that I would get rid of. Now, the other ones, I put two on practice roster, so therefore they would have eight around the building, which I think is a good number for for an NFL team to have during season, is Willis and Board. Now, those picks might, might not be everybody's favorites, and I understand that, but those were the ones that I noticed the most in preseason games when I was watching them. And I thought, you know what? Hmm, there's something to be there. Again, Botchman has something. I like Botchman too, but I just felt Willis and Board edged him out
0: for yeah. the practice. Well, bo- Board, I actually had on my 53 for the Gunner play. I actually, I think I kept seven because. The injury status to Galladay, I think Galladay will be okay for week one. I'm not so sure what Tony's status is going to be. So I would keep an extra receiver. Now, I'm not saying they're going to put Tony on IR. I mean, they could, I suppose, because remember, it's only three weeks that the guy's got to miss. But at this point, I, I don't know where he's at, to be honest with you. But I would have kept bored. Um, this is how I did I did bored. And I think I I kept Sills, but you know Sills if, if if Galladay's okay, do you really need Sills because he's kind of an ex receiver like Galladay, not in the same you know stratosphere, obviously. But are, are you kind of like doubling up there? And then where do you get him reps? Do you even activate him on game day?
1: Well, that's the, that's the thing I was about to go to. You were going, you lead me right to the water I wanted to drink. It was on game day, you're only going to have five receivers activated. The reason I kept Sills on the active is because I really felt exposing him to to the market, someone might pick him up because he had a pretty good a dang good a preseason, and this isn't a situation where we can just move him to practice. We got to expose him, and therefore by exposing him, someone might pick him up. I mean, there's plenty there's 32 teams out there, and there's plenty of people that need a, a receiver like him. And so on game day, if Galladay was healthy, he would probably be sit for me, you know, and then I would. I would activate the other receivers to play the spots, um, if Galladay was not, and you know we need to rest him. I had Sills already up. I didn't have to play with the roster, bringing them up and down and doing stuff. If Tony goes to, if Tony goes to IR, and like you said, you know maybe in three weeks gets activated, Board would be the next one I would keep as well. You know, and then I'd probably keep Botchman on the practice squad um, because I did like what I saw out of Botchman. I just thought he got edged out by Board and Willis. Yeah. So you know, again, those are the fine two. We also
0: forgot Matt Cole. Don't forget, can't forget about Matt Cole, who's been good on Special Teams.
1: Matt Cole's good on Special Teams, but again, when you're only going to activate five guys on game day, you, you know you're pretty solid at Shepherd, Ross, and Slayton. They're gonna, they're pretty much gonna play with Gal with Galladay. So then, either you need another returner to take some heat off Ross if Ross gets hurt or something, which is why Tony is to me the guy that's the fifth receiver. Um, If not, if it's not him, it's Sills, because I still think Sills will give you good special things play. I don't think he was asked to in in preseason because of his value, taking reps at the X spot and giving the quarterbacks the the look they needed to see and not exposing Galladay to play that role. So I I think there was a trade off there for Judge. And I really think there was a deal done like, hey, kid, do this. I'm going to keep you, you know, do one for me. I'm going to do one for you. So that's that's what my thinking is on Sills and Tony at the back end of that, but board makes a great special teams player. I agree with you there. Um, And Cole could, but I just don't, I, I like more out of Botchman, I think from a receiver sense point than Cole.
0: Yeah. Cole, I would, I would take my chances with trying to slip to the practice squad. I don't think he would get picked up, but you never know in this league, you know, sometimes guys pick, You know, I think back to when uh, Jake, what was his last name? The tight end that the Giants had on the Super Bowl. Jake Ballard, when he was injured and the Giants tried to wave him to get him onto IR and Belichick swooped in and picked him up. So you never, ever know what's going to happen in this league. All right, let's go. All right, I'm going to give you your choice. Offensive line or tight end? Where do you want to go?
1: All right, I'll get the tight ends out of the way. (laughs) And again, it's not a bloodbath here.
0: Place yourself, folks.
1: It's not a bloodbath as I would probably prediction wise. It's not going to be a bloodbath. Right. If it was me, there would be blood all over the field. Um, <laughs> but historically you keep three tight ends on your active and one on your practice. And I think you would do the same here. And I can't even say historically you keep one on your practice. Cause you don't most practice squads I've been around were 10 players. This is like 16. Mm-hmm. So give me extra. So you would definitely keep an extra one for me, obviously Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith make the roster. Um, I would put Jake uh, Hoshman on practice squad, and the Griff Stewart uh, young man would probably be my cut here. And told him to you know stay safe and stay healthy because he could be coming back fast. Right. And then, depending on what the hangnail situation is with Evan uh, from yesterday's game, we don't know if he might be going on eye for the first three weeks, and then Griffin makes the team because Evan's got a hangnail. So, you know, Evan makes the team. I think there's money invested and stuff in that situation, and I don't see a huge market where people are beating down the door for him right now because he's not that tough. He's not that. I mean, he's he's very arrogant. He, he he's just he's he's not my kind of guy at all. And you know, for me, I think he brings you very little to the team for the targets that he takes away from other people. I think if you targeted other people, you would pick up more production than having to target him to keep him happy. He's a player that I honestly would walk through my locker room a lot to know. He would be one I would walk through the locker room and keep my ears open as I pass his locker, as I listen to other players talk about him. Because if he was a player that they didn't love in the locker room, he wouldn't be in my locker room because he doesn't bring enough to the table for me, you right. know, I would get him out of there. Right. Um, I had a player like that up in, uh, up in Edmonton. I'd walk through the locker room and there was a player that, you know, I won't, I won't call anybody a cancer. Cause I think that's rude, but I know he was a negative impact in the locker room. And I went to the GM. I said, you got to get rid of this guy. It's He's weighing the locker room down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once we did get rid of him, it took a little while to convince the coaches to do so. Once we did, the locker room picked up, that group picked up, everybody's spirits picked up because he was gone. I think Ingram, without his targets, becomes an issue because he'll complain and bitch. And then next thing you know, he becomes weighing down the locker room.
0: I don't know about that. I mean, Evan's always, you know, I I know you're not a fan of Evan, obviously (laughs) nobody's going to nominate you as president of his fan club, but Uh, you know, to be, to be fair (laughs) to Evan. He's not, he's not a problem in the locker room from what I can gather. People like him, they respect him. He works his butt off, believe it or not. Um, The problem with him has been a combination of staying healthy. Number one, which is probably the most frustrating thing, but Sometimes you wonder, is it how they're asking him to what they're asking him to do? Like, for example, I cringe when they ask him to block a defensive end. He can't do it. All right. Why are you asking this guy who weighs what 240 to block a guy who weighs 30 plus pounds heavier than him? Physics say you can't be done. Why are you expecting? I I don't get it. He was 245 pounds and he
1: could block any defensive end.
0: Okay, but but my point is is Evan mm-hmm. doesn't have the strength to do it. So he's not a blocker. He's more of a receiver I think in a tight end's body. And a and you know,
1: in a tight end's body. Yeah.
0: So, I just wonder if it's just how they've used him, you know? Like for example, we talked about having him come back on those wide stick option routes and that those weren't really a good fit for what he does well. How he's better off running away from the ball. Um, you know, just I wonder about that if, if they haven't, you know, you talked about, do you get rid of a guy because, you know, there's eight things he does well, but there's two things that he doesn't, you know, is this a, a similar case with Evan Ingram? Now, I don't know how bad that injury is, but, you know, going back to your point with, with uh, the number of tight ends, I think because we both agree that two fullbacks are going to be necessary, you could probably get away with the three tight ends, even though, remember, Ingram is now banged up. Rudolph just came off a pup, hasn't gotten out there yet. So that's going to be, to me, a a little bit of a problem, depending on how these next couple of weeks go. You're really weak at that tight end spot, I think, right now.
1: I agree. They're in the market for a tight end. And I think there's a trade possibility. And I believe Evan Ingram was drafted for the old offense.
0: Yes. And he was good in that.
1: And, and that's what I was going to say. That's the offense that fit him. This offense is going to fit Barkley, Jones, Galladay, Shepard, everybody else. Okay. So, and that's why Rudolph fits this offense. And to me, Caden Smith fits this offense better than Ingram. So for me, Ingram was one I would have moved in the offseason if I could have and tried to get out from his contract a little bit and replaced him already, either through draft or through other means. Right now, I think tight end is something that Dave's gone to Kenny and the crew over there and said, hey, uh, let's uh, let's focus on who gets cut here, who gets shown the door, see if there's a young tight end or something, or maybe like a Manhurst uh, who's down in Jacksonville. I saw him playing for Jacksonville yesterday. That's somebody Dave knows really well and would fit this offense really well. So there's a few out there that if they're on the bubble, the teams are currently on, Dave could you know make some calls and pick them up and bring mm-hmm.
0: them on. They're going to uh, have to. They're, they're they're the the depth there is paper thin with the injuries, so I I, I think that's that's a no brainer yeah, now right.
1: and and also JG loves his tight ends in his offense, so it's right. a key element. Yes, for they need to have twelve personnel for JG. Well, to work
0: actually, let me ask you this because last year they went with twelve personnel. I think on twenty seven percent of the offensive snaps, they didn't have really a good selection of receivers last year. Now they do, so. You wonder if maybe there's going to be less 12 personnel and more 11 personnel. But then that leads into the question of, okay, you want your tight ends to help out the offensive line, which we still need to get to. So where do you go there? But I definitely agree with you that tight end is going to be a position they're going to have to look at. So we'll see what they come up with. Offensive line, though. Ooh, we saved the hardest one for last. Actually, this is not hard. The, the 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 nine guys, I have nine guys on my roster protection. I don't think they have all nine guys on the the roster right now. Historically,
1: Um, eight up and then you put two or three down on your practice roster because you activate seven on game days. So there's always one offensive lineman that you, and now unless you have guys you're worried that you can't pass through waivers, then you would keep nine, obviously. But you want 10 on your roster, if not 11, because they're so hard to find, get trained up, get coached up for your system. So minimum of 10 is on any NFL roster. If you have anything under 10, you're just stupid. Um, and and I like 11 because they're just so hard to train and get up to speed and you're a quarterback, you're running back, everything goes through them. So you just, you should have 10 or 11 guys. I have eight on the active roster and then I have three on the practice roster. Now this math, because I favor tackles is why it's gonna be, I know you're gonna have a problem with the way I cut it, I already know. But because I favor tackles, I, I cut it this way. So I obviously you have Thomas, Wiggins, Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, Soldier, Parrot, or Pear, whatever his uh-huh. name is. And then I have Jackson Barton making the team because I don't want to lose what I saw in preseason. I think there could be a couple teams out there that saw the same thing. And they might be like, ooh, we can pick up a young tackle to be our 53 on our roster and pick them up for pretty cheap. And so a team like Jacksonville, a team like Indianapolis, smart scouting rostered people might see a Jackson Barton as a commodity when he hit the waiver wire. So that's why I did it this way. And then I put hedgie Larson, and Harrison, Jonathan Harrison on the practice roster. Now, obviously, Jonathan Harrison might not make it there because, again, he's had a really solid you know, preseason and, and stuff. And Ted Larson, like I said, has shown some stuff, but I think it's easier to get interior linemen to a practice roster than it is a good young tackle.
0: Hmm, Interesting. See, I would have, I, first of all, I agree with you with tackle. I think the tackle situation to me is probably the shakier of the, as opposed to the interior offensive line. Um, If, God forbid there is an injury at tackle, Parrot or Thomas or Soldier. And Soldier, remember, was playing with the banged up shoulder. Who's your next guy up? So I don't know that they have somebody they can put on the practice squad right now. Maybe maybe Jackson Barton. I don't know, you know what they think of him. At the interior,
1: he ain't ready for prime time. I'm not saying he's ready for prime time, but that's why I kept Soldier, Parrot, and Thomas up. Because Soldier could play either spot. He's your swing. Parrott's your right, and and Thomas is your left. But I think Soldier has to be your starting right. And then if, if something happens to Thomas, Soldier flips over, Parrott comes in and plays right. Okay? That being said, Jackson Barton would be your next best right tackle that's currently on the roster. And therefore, if you need to, again, flip Parrott over to left or bring Barton in to play left or something... Right now on this roster, you have to keep them till you find better.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And you know, it's just too much of a weak area to give up somebody or even expose a cheap young tackle to the waiver wire that showed something in preseason when there's 32 teams looking for a backup tackle right now.
0: Yeah, offensive linemen, they're 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 like gold. <laughs> that's yeah. that that's that's pretty obvious, but um I was kind of I found it interesting you would put Harrison on the practice squad. I mean, who's your backup center then?
1: That was hard. Trust me, I, I, I that was hard. I, I wanted Harrison up. I really wanted Harrison up, and the only way the math worked out was don't keep this the second fullback and keep the extra offense alignment up, right? Or take a, a take or go down to five receivers and not four or not six. So there was a couple of things I was I was working through in my head, mm-hmm. and I mean I really. You, Wiggins, Lemieux, or Henderson, or, or Will Han- Hernandez, one of them has to learn how to snap. They have to pull the ball. One of those three have to. I learn think to
0: Lemieux's p- been learning, I think. I think right. he's been working on that.
1: But one of them in a game situation would have to know how to pull the ball to get him out of a game. And then you would actually activate, activate Jonathan Harrison, obviously, for the next game off your practice roster or Hedgie or whoever. Okay. Now, again, I don't like this. I wish I wish that I had one more spot. And I, I was made. This is the this is the hard part of the decision making. Yeah. But if you're gonna, and again, the other one is you put Barton down, and you keep Harrison up. But then you only have three tackles up on your varsity, and it's already a weak area. And if someone were to get Barton, you're in trouble. Now, if Harrison gets picked up, someone picks him up, right? You still have Hedgie and Larson that pulled the ball. So you still have two guys that are on your, your JV that pull the ball, right? So for me, it's like you have three potential opportunities here for backup centers with those three. Barton, he's really your fourth tackle. And if you lose him, you're you know, you're kind of screwed, right? So that, that was my mentality here. I agree with you. If 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 Gates goes down in week one. And Harrison gets picked up somewhere else. Now you've created a cabin, a cavern, at the center spot that wasn't there in preseason because of how you cut the team. And this is this is all the conversation, like I said earlier in the program, that we're all having is how to keep these caverns from being too big, right? Picking the right roster and how to move people around and do things. I just with the, I mean, I just don't say they have three solid tackles right now, and they don't have a guard that can kick out the tackle. Like, they don't have a, a – like they tried to make Chad Slade that guy, but Slade's on roller skates out there.
0: Wiggins tack- would have been the other guy, I think, but he's he hasn't shown anything in the games.
1: Exactly. He hasn't shown anything in games. So you don't have a guard that can kick out the tackle to get you out of a game. So mm-hmm. you need to have more tackles with this roster, in my opinion, than you do interior guys right now. And you just have to tell the offensive line coach and Flair – hey, Flair, you got to get one of these guys to pull the ball, bro. Yeah. Like, you got to coach them up. I hate to do it to you, but you got to coach them up and get somebody to pull the ball because, you know, on game day, one of them might have to finish us out, and then we can get one of these young bucks up for the next game. But we just don't have the math. I mean, if it was a 54-55-man roster, which, again, with a 17-week season, with a 17-week season, the owners really, really, you don't give them two more people.
0: Well, they do get two more people. That you can call up two guys on on game day from the practice. But,
1: but again, how many do you activate?
0: That's true. That's true.
1: What I'm saying is, on game on a regular roster, when they went to 17 weeks, the NFLPA should have said that every roster is 55, and every game day roster is 50. So everybody, more people are getting game checks, which is richer for everybody okay, player-wise, but also it's better for player protection to last the whole season, having those two extra guys play, special teams taking the reps from a starting receiver or somebody or having an extra offensive lineman to keep your quarterback healthy, you know, because then if you go two more, Harrison makes the team, you know, Trent Harris on the defense makes the team. A couple of these picks that we've we've talked about and mold over, they've already made the team. Now they're on the 55 man roster and now they're activated on game day.
0: A lot of tough decisions coming up, some of which uh, look every year, We, despite our best efforts to predict the 53 the initial 53 man roster, let's again make that clear because the roster will turn and it will not be the same on Tuesday as it will be the day that they face the Denver Broncos in week one. But there's always going to be some curveballs. And, uh, you know, I I just find it a a very fascinating discussion, a debate, just trying to, to sort through the reasoning behind it or try to guess the reasoning behind it if, you know, nobody's available to make a comment on it. So I could see where, you know, your head would be absolutely spinning with some of these decisions that have to be made.
1: They, they, it's tough. I mean, I've sat till two, three, four in the morning on these cut nights with with you know GMs, and when we've had to make tough decisions. And that, and again, you hope your roster is well enough stocked that you're making tough decisions, right? That you're, that you're agonizing over decisions, right? Because when you're not, you don't have a good team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have good starters because they've defined themselves, and you're like, okay, I have good starters, but you don't have a good team. You know, like uh, many years ago, offensive line coach I worked with at the Raiders was telling me how Paul McQuiston, our whole season hedged on Paul McQuiston and Paul was a rookie. And I'm like, how does that work? And he showed me the, the, the line math. Like if this guy goes down, I got to put this guy there, which then pushes Paul here. And then if that guy goes down, then I have to put Paul in and he has to play. And that could be as early as week six because of how injuries have happened. To offensive alignment historically around the league, and he taught me to do the the injury math. You know, we talk about all this different kind of math, but the injury mm-hmm. math um, of, of you know, typically most NFL teams lose one to two offensive alignment by week eight, and therefore by losing one or depending on who the one or two are and what your backup is, your sixth and seventh are really where you're hedging your whole bet on for the offensive line success through the whole season. So if you don't have tough decisions, and right now the Giants don't have tough decisions here. Hmm. They have what they have, and they're going with what they have unless they can trade and find somebody. But people aren't cutting good offensive linemen. They're sitting here finding ways to sneak them through to get them to practice roster and protect them and this and that. You know, So, again, it, it, building the offensive line is one of the – and pass rushers and quality corners and obviously receivers uh, and uh, quarterbacks – those positions you really have to build in the draft and in free agency and trades and things because if you don't do that you really hamstring your roster for years to come cuz fixing those always takes attention right you know and so for that for that reason i think the giants need to do more focus on this offensive line in cut day today and tomorrow and then in the draft coming up and in free agency coming up they have to take an approach where they're like they're we're setting a new standard of this offensive line, and if it you know again I'm not going to put it on coaching. I know it's hard when you have three different coaches coming in three different times, and you know they had to talk to Flair and get him back and stuff. It's tough for the That's young men. It's tough. The consistency is tough, but they are professionals, and they have to take the pride and the professional makeup to get ready and protect Daniel Jones and open those holes up for Shaq, because if they don't, they're not doing their job.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Well, it's gonna be interesting. That's why Dave says roster building is 24 is seven, 365 days a year. You know, you're always on the lookout for ways to upgrade and improve your team. And it's gonna be interesting to see what they come up with. I'm sure, you know, the show is scheduled to run Tuesday. So we'll have our answers by four o'clock Tuesday for sure. And uh, we'll see how close everybody came, you know, and nobody gets it a hundred percent right, but hey, it's been a fun exercise. This was great. This was fun, David. Love it. <laughs> There's that sheep, folks. He shot he, it. He, baby, he, right he did. it. He did. His he The did
1: his job is done. It's over. I already took care <laughs> of the form. There you go, Dave. All done. Just go home. <laughs> you and Joe can have an early dinner. I already took care of it for you. Here you go. There
0: you go. There you go. David, This was great. Thank you so much for the insight as always. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, we're going to do Twitter Thursday this week, so you have plenty of time to get your questions in. Check the show notes below for where to send them, and we'll go through all your questions Well, I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions regarding roster moves and and injuries and all kinds of stuff. So send them in. I look forward to getting them. And don't forget, we will be back with an all new episode of the Lock on Giants podcast tomorrow. Until then, for David Turner, I am Patricia Trena. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.